All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Whiskey Slews podcast. Today we're joined by uh, professional content creator Grant Rankin from Mallard Bay. Grant, what's up? What's going on, guys? How you doing? Not bad. You just, uh, well, we're just enjoying the summer. I mean, it's been it's hot now. It went from, like, cold cold as fuck to hot as fuck, and that was it. No yeah. in between. You're down a job. You guys, oh, you guys have summers? Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, crazy. It goes from winter to summer. There is no spring here in Nebraska. Sounds about right. Yeah, no in between at all. But Grant, you're down in Joplin, Missouri, right? Yep. Yep. Okay. Yep, Joplin, Missouri. Yeah. Yes, sir. So tell everybody a little bit about what you do uh, work-wise, career-wise, right now, currently. Well, I just run around and basically just press buttons uh, for a living that's I mean to sum it up I just press buttons on cameras and make stuff kind of look cool um been working for Mallard Bay for almost a year it'll be a year in August which is kind of crazy to think I've been doing this full time for almost a year so uh it's been a journey in itself uh definitely it's been uh, fun just knowing everything about you know the hunting and outdoor industry it's been uh it's been a cool ride so yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, how, uh, tell, like, right now, this is kind of your downtime, right? You're just, you're not really traveling anywhere, or are you traveling right now? Well, I'm actually, yeah, I, I, I go to Texas uh, Friday. I'll be doing some thermal hog hunting, filming that. And um, so I, there's not really a downtime, but there is a downtime, if that makes sense, for traveling. I'd say, I mean, a waterfowl season is definitely freaking crazy uh but uh during the off season per se i still do a bunch of uh video work but not as much travel yeah some more some more editing stuff and less travel right now yeah yeah just sitting uh behind a desk and uh basically just being a hermit at home so (laughs) trying to catch up on everything feel like a hermit yeah yeah playing catch up so yeah for sure well rankin how why don't you tell everybody how how you got into photography, um, like where where that started, and then kind of a little bit how it transitioned into full time thing for you. Yeah, um, I I was always a a GoPro little nerd when I was little. I I would take uh, GoPro fishing with me and film just like some some badass hook sets. You know, when I was fourteen. I thought, you know, hook set compilations comp- were like the coolest thing ever. So, you know, I'd strap a GoPro to my chest and just, just go out to the to the pond and mob out a couple. The old Bassmaster um, Classic up on your tiptoes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You, you betcha. I can Ellie in them bass, dude. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I, man, I, I never thought I would be doing this full time. I always told my myself I'd, I want to be, if I could get a job in the outdoor space or industry i would be content with whatever i did uh about three and a half four years ago i picked up a camera and it was during you know it was during duck season i had a couple of buddies that that uh shot photography and i never really you know thought it'd be something i could do full-time but i picked up the camera and i really enjoyed it and i was you know i just have fun it's going to be another expensive ass hobby you know my I bass fish and waterfowl hunt might as well tack on another expensive hobby yeah so might as well. uh yeah you know you know money grows on trees so uh i did that and uh just started really posting some shitty work for a while on my instagram and um it got a little less shitty and uh just trial and error man and then all of a sudden Mallard Bay knocked on my door and I answered. So, I mean, it was, uh, it happened really quick. I mean, I don't feel like I, uh, deserve it, but it happened very fast for me going to be like, Oh, I have a shitty thousand dollar camera to, Oh my God, I have like $40,000 wrapped up in this shit now. So, um, it, it happened way too quick, but, uh, I think I'm happy that it did because it kind of just throws you, out into like hey you better you better figure this shit out like right now yeah and it kind of puts some pressure on you and and i i mean i worked uh you know a nine to five for a long time and did photography 
editing, you know, after my job and on the weekends I'd go work or go shoot photography for just outfitters uh, close by for free just to kind of, you know, get some more um, frames yeah. per se ripped out. So, yeah. So you knew Grant from Canada, right? Yeah. That's so <laughs> yeah. Grant and Grant became Grant and Grant in Canada. So yeah. you ended up going up there. Was that a, that was a Mallard Bay thing where you went up there with, with Ryan and Bradley for a little bit, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so you got to meet up with Grant. Tell us about your first experience with Grant. Man, I pulled up. So, so if, if no one's ever flown to Canada, it's, it fucking sucks. There's, there's no cherry coating. There's no sugar coating. There's nothing. So I, I traveled, God, Grant, what was it like? It was like 24, 25 hours in the fucking airport. Yeah, you were. So, like, and the thing is, like, we'd all been there basically for like two weeks already. So you yeah, were kind of yeah, showing all up you late guys to the party. I'm just the weird dude that has a, a like five suitcases of camera gear. Like, all right. So, anyways, I get there. First off, I had to ride up with uh, a gentleman. And that was a great, great time. Um, I got there. <laughs> Uh, Bradley's passed out asleep in, in, in a lawn chair in the front, you know, front lawn every day and every day. But that's how I walked up. There's a dude passed out in the front, in the front lawn on a lawn chair. I was like, all right, cool. And then I'm kind of just making my way around. I just immediately go downstairs and just kind of just chill out for a second. Cause I'm just like jet lagged. I don't even know where I'm at. It, it was just bad. And I walk upstairs, Grant, of course, is sitting down eating. He asks Emily, hey, what's for dinner? And it's like 11 o'clock at lunch. So that's like, yeah, what's for lunch, what's for dinner, what's for breakfast? Anyways, Grant and I kind of, uh, you know, bullshitted for a little bit. And, uh, hell, we spent a lot of time together in Canada, man. Yeah, we drank a lot together up there. We did. He was like, well, let's go walk over to the liquor store right now. Yeah, town yeah, got, fifty people. God bless that guy, you know. Yeah, you get fucked up but, tonight. Uh, <laughs> God dang right, man. Yeah, man. I uh, it, it was a blast in Canada. Definitely something that everyone needs to go experience. I wouldn't say for a month, but I would say for a week. <laughs> a time. Um, but uh, yeah, man. It, it was it was it was a blast. There's a lot of. A lot of uh, stories from Canada. Yeah, Rankin was probably the most homesick person <laughs> too out of the whole thing. I miss my dude. It was missing the woman. I miss my woman. Yeah, bro. It was. Uh, I mean, dude, my sleep schedule is still messed up in Canada, dude. Like, so I would wake up. What time would you wake up, Grant? Three thirty-four. Three thirty-four, something like that, usually. Yeah, so we'd wake up at three thirty-four. We'd go hunt. Depending on how well the how well the client shot, we get done at sometimes eight thirty, sometimes nine, sometimes not even till lunch. Yeah. And we drive all the way back, about an hour back to the lodge. Uh, I'd help clean birds, and I would dump footage, and try to scarf something down. And then about that time, we'd head back out around one thirty, two o'clock to go set up for the spread for the evening hunt. Hunt till about dark, depending on again how the client shot. We drive all the way back. It doesn't get dark there until like 9.30. Yeah, it's late. So we drive back. We get back to the house around 10.30, eat dinner, or clean birds, eat dinner until, what What time we usually eat dinner? 11.30, midnight? Uh, yeah, usually like at least 10.30 or later. Yeah, yeah. And then I'd go downstairs, dump footage, try to edit some. I'd usually fall asleep around between 1 and 2 o'clock editing and wake up and do that again. So it was, uh, the sleep department was, uh, struggling on that end. But, you know, it's the way of the road. But the rest of the season should have been like, man, this is easy now. Yeah. This is nothing. Oh, yeah, dude. That was a breeze. I'm like, oh, we're getting up at 530. Damn, we're sleeping in. Hell, all the snuggies out here with us. Fuck, what time we leave for snuggies hunts? It'd be like about 545, 6 o'clock. We'll get out there where we'll leave. Yeah. Oh, dude, that was that was another thing. I got food poisoning when I was with you boys. Yeah. So, uh, we, you, have you declared it's a bad Casey's experience? 
I've never been to Casey's again in eight. Ever. You haven't gone back? Nope. Nope. I haven't. That's crazy. I've been eating Casey's all my life, and I feel wonderful every time. I feel Dude, like a, I feel right. like I'm healthier I after start my Casey's mornings. trip. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I just you know just another Casey pizza, and uh, I'm out in a freaking uh, cornfield or whatever field we're in in Nebraska. I'm shitting my pants on a on a. You know, if any of you've been in Nebraska, there are no trees. There's not much. <laughs> so it's it's raining. I have my pants down in the mud and a snow geese spread absolutely yeah i mean it was i'm <laughs> yeah. not even gonna go there but it was bad and then that went out one end and it came out the other end and that lasted for about what a day and a half yeah, yeah you didn't hunt yeah. that all the whole that one day and it was like is you just you just heading home or what are at we doing at one point we were just like man this guy needs to get home yeah, like, like, just go home, somebody man. remember to bring the shit bucket <laughs> yeah Dude, it, I was down bad. I mean, it was it was not okay. So, but uh, it was a it was a good time. Besides meeting up with Grant, how? Well, I guess Grant was obviously the main reason. But how did you end up getting fully drawn in with us, learning about us, hearing about us, and this whole shindig Dude, we have going in Nebraska? Funny story. So, I saw. Gosh, it was – it must have been the first year you you guys started as an outfitter. Did you guys have an absolute banger greenhead hunt on some cattle pond? I don't know, but you guys are all in A-frames, and you guys were mowing greenheads. Um, man, I want to say it was even – it was before it was even with Mallard Bay I heard about you guys. And the funny thing is – I just I knew I just knew Grant Edgecombe with a mustache, and that's all. I, that's I was like huh? that's whiskey Blues, they mo. So that's uh, that's how I kind of figured you guys out. It was on Instagram. I just saw a post of just a badass clip of like a hundred greenheads dumping into a tiny Nebraska cattle farm, and it was insane. That was that one reel that Grant posted uh what was it two years ago three years ago and it got yeah it got 3.5 million views yeah yeah well, i was one of the views rankin rankin yeah. and i always debated about views up in canada <laughs> because he would like do this most elaborate shit editing and i'd be like man watch this shit i'd just post up a, like a five second video with zero editing and be like let's see who gets more views <laughs> yeah, yeah shot on iphone bro instagram <laughs> yeah. algorithm Love it. The algorithm's fucked. I mean, I did the same thing. I edited a couple really nice videos for our for our business, and they're nice for me. And we we posted them. They only got like ten twenty thousand views. And then Grant posts a video of two mallards getting shot. Literally just two mallards getting shot, and it goes off for five million views. Yeah, it makes yeah, no it's, sense. Uh, it's just straight fucked. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, I'm thinking about just selling all my camera equipment and just shooting on an iPhone. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, what were what were some of your memorable trips from this last year that you got to take? Man, Canada's definitely up there. Um, Canada was really cool. I mean, it's different. Um, it's not like you know hunting here in the states. All the birds are dumb, young, and you get to hunt in t-shirts and freaking pants. I mean, it was stupid. Just the, the scenery there, everything there is super cool. Um, man, I went to some really cool places. Um, I went to, I went up north in the Dakota, and we shot them pretty well up there. That was really cool, getting my large shoot there. Um, just, I mean, everywhere I went, I, that's why I love what I do. Every place I go, it's different. You don't know what what's gonna happen i mean going with you guys i did i i've never been snow goose hunting i hate them white i hate white geese i hate them don't like them but it was fun man it was different and you meet new people i, I mean honestly my it's not the location it's it's mainly just the people i get to meet um just meet people that are like-minded love what you love and you know just like you guys i never met any of you hunter i never met any of you guys and it's like we knew each other for 10 years um 
sat there, made a whiskey drink, and talked until about one o'clock in the morning, Too just about random shit. Yeah, Too and then, yeah, that yeah. Was, that was the one night Grant's ever spent at the lodge. Probably Not the puking. last time. Not puking. Yeah. And then he, uh, yeah. the one time we got up, like, fucking, we went to bed at, like, one thirty, two o'clock just to get up at 5 o'clock to go hunt snow geese in the rain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's yep. pouring rain and cold. That was one of those snow goose hunts where you're like, I could dump the tube, but my head hurts. I think I'll shoot once or twice. Yeah, I, I don't know if I want to get out and chase <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I quite need to. Have you been? Yeah. Have you been to Nebraska? yet other than coming up with us have you been hunting out here uh no i drove through nebraska okay so this is your uh, first was... time yeah well that, that was, was your first, first time. time okay so you've never been out you you haven't been you probably i'm sure you've driven over the platte river obviously you saw it when you were here with us but you've obviously so you've never never hunted it that's got to be something you probably need to get onto your list oh a thousand percent man yeah yeah, I mean, the I the thing that blew me away was the amount of freaking sandhill cranes there, dude. That's <laughs> nuts, dude. I, that's insane. And Grant's like, yeah, you can't shoot them. Yeah, I'm sandhill like, crane capital of the world. Was that with peak? That was at peak too. Wasn't that was it? Like, that like was at peak. It, it was like peak. half a million at least easily. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dude, it was insane. Every like, fucking oh, cornfield cranes. There's more cranes. There's more cranes. There's more cranes. There's more cranes. That's funny. That's actually. But really but funny. even the even the ducks, the pintails, the widgeons, the mallards. When I was there, it was February and they were everywhere. Man, the Platte River was loaded. Yeah, you mean you just um, drive down the river and you're like, "There's 15 pintails just sitting on the sandbars." Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm definitely gonna try to sneak away this uh, this duck season and come down with uh, with all the guys with Garrett and Nick and and uh, have a have a good old time. There you go. Well, that'll be a lot of fun. So you met up with Mallard Bay. You said you know it just all kind of happened. Did you just how'd that happen? How'd you end up getting getting in good with uh, meeting up with old Garrett? Garrett, so Garrett and I have kind of known each other. So when I really started posting on social media like photography and stuff, it's probably about oh man, it was it was a while. It was probably four years ago, and he DM'd me and he's like, hey man can you color grade a wedding video for me? And I, I was like, uh, no, I can't. I'm sorry. And he's like, no, no worries, man. Uh, we need to meet up and work sometime. This is even before like Mallard Bay was, you know, in, in hindsight, it was just like, he messaged me. We're like, Oh, we'd love to work together. Fast forward three years, four years where we literally talk every day we work on every project together and he's like my right hand man so i mean it's cool how organically happened uh kind of ended up in the same place uh like i said like mine so uh yeah that's how i kind of met garrett just off of social media so it was uh yeah what what was it like like transitioning from your nine to five job to like doing it full time like we kind of covered that but like how how worried were you like were you like so really stressing about it yeah so it took me about seven months for me to finally say yes um i worked so my my what i used to do for a living i was an automotive estimator uh for my family business so um it was um basically gonna end up being mine you know when when uh my uncle stepped down he was gonna you know sell the business to me and that that was obviously huge because it's probably the most successful automotive shop in uh in our in our town so uh i was uh i was putting a lot uh at stake you know it's like hey you know if you keep keep working at this you know steady job and you're gonna have a business of your own you're going to be able to you know you know to to have a comfortable living for your future family and that's what really like was in the back of my mind like hey what if i do this media stuff like i i, I don't know if it's going to work out i just don't know what you know how reliable it's going to be like hell i'm going to be 60 years old am i still going to be you know 
clicking a camera. Um, I, I overthink everything. Um, so my girlfriend actually, um, she was like, Hey, you just need to, you just need to do it. I was like, well, yeah, I mean, it's easy for you to say it on the outside, but she's, she, she was honestly the one that pushed me to do this full time. And a couple other, my buddies told me I should do it as well full time, but I just didn't, I guess I didn't believe in myself per se, but it was just a, it was a jump that I think every media guy has to take. Um, Cause everyone, you know, doesn't just, you know, some people might be lucky enough to, to be born into it or just like go out and pursue that career. But I think for the vast majority of people, they have a nine to five. They do photography or videography on the side and they're just afraid to make that big jump to do it full time. So I think that's about anything though in the outdoor industry is like, Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, just like with you guys. Yeah. I mean, it's all a jump off. Like unless your family owns some company or an outfitter or something like that. And, or you grew up working for them since you were like a kid, like it's pretty much all a jump with faith. Right. 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 I mean, (laughs) I think the biggest thing that, you know, she said to me was like, you know, when you're 40 or 50, are you going to, are you going to regret not doing, you know, not doing that, that dream or that job when you were younger. So, um, that kind of made me really put things in perspective, you know, I, and again it's it's a foot in the industry so like being with mallard bay every one of those guys that work for him are like i mean they're all great people they all love hunting and fishing and i mean we, we're honestly a family over there now so it's it, it's a the hell of a place to work for and the hell of a company that i think that's going to be you know astronomically huge in the next two to five years man i mean we're growing at a rapid rate so yeah that's awesome so we know i mean we've all obviously you're a cameraman we've talked about that but at first you were a hunter right yeah yeah how'd yeah, you I, so yeah how'd you get into I've it i've been i've been waterfowl hunting i think the first waterfowl hunt i went on i was probably five years old um so my mom and uh my parents got divorced when i was very young my father was not a hunter or a fisherman no one in my family hunts or fish it was just you know lone old grant so when i was young we lived next to a guy that duck hunted every weekend and what he would do this is very weird now that i'm older and think about it i'd go over there he'd be cleaning his ducks and he'd cut off mallards and give them to me and i uh i would i would take them home and my mother would put them in the freezer and i collected mallard ducks feet for quite a quite a time when i was younger and i asked the guy i was like well i'm gonna have all these feet but i want to i want to see how you go get these feet um so he took me waterfowl hunting a little farm pond and he told me if i made a noise he would kill me I did not say one word and I sat there and watched them shoot, I think like three or four greenheads. And after that, man, I was like, yep, this is cool. And ever since then I have been, and I just fell in love with waterfowl hunting. So, no, I guess you could say it started with a foot fetish, but, um, <laughs> that's going in the, table. It, uh, that's the it, title uh, right there. Grant Rankin foot fetishes. <laughs> green head feet yeah man those orange feet driving crazy but uh yeah that's how it started so uh, i i don't really get to duck hunt a lot anymore um but i'm around it a ton so i i could go out duck hunting and not even bring a shotgun and just i just love calling up birds working them and getting them as close as i can to me so um that's what I, I really like about it. Just the, just the fact that you can call a wild animal into a, a decoy spread of plastic painted birds and just 
watch them do absolutely stupid things. So it's it's the strategy of it, man. I I always talk about it all the time. It's like there's so much strategy that goes into it. The scouting, how you want to set up, the weather. You're playing one big game and trying to make something. Oh yeah. Trying to trying to out wild the wild. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, man. So you know you're in you grew up in Joplin, right? Yes. So, what's the hunting like down in Southwest Ass. Missouri? Ass. <laughs> it's terrible. Um, I don't even hunt in Missouri. I drive to Oklahoma or Kansas to go duck hunt. Really? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, so, man, when I was probably thirteen to sixteen, we it was pretty good in in Missouri, you know, around this area. And then Duck Commander came around, and everyone wanted to go duck hunt. So you 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 basically put, you know, our population's only like sixty thousand people, oh but you get sixty thousand Jimmies that watch Duck Commander, and they think they can go duck hunt. Uh, that's what every public ground uh, looked like in Missouri. I mean, it looked like opening day of uh, a trout season. And they're just freaking lying in the banks of a pond trying to go shoot a freaking coot. I mean, it was ridiculous. <laughs> so um, my mom ended up remarrying, and he was from Oswego, Kansas. So that, uh, that introduced me to Kansas waterfowl, which blew my mind. He had a little house out in the middle of nowhere by the Neosho River. And I kid you not, when I was, you know, 16, 17, I could sit on his front porch and shoot a lemon of greenheads every evening. I didn't, but you could. That's how many birds were flying around every evening, going to feed, going to roost. It was insane. So that's where I really spent a lot of my time duck hunting um, in my later years as, as a kid. I got you. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So, what about the goose hunting? When we drove through Joplin our times to Arkansas, we'd always see God a bless few, you. few families of uh, few families of Canada's hanging out on the farm. Yeah, ponds. I mean, pretty pretty much, Hunter. Every single hunting, everything is ass in Missouri where I'm at. Everything um, there, is ass. There's, there's really nothing good about Joplin, Missouri, but Chick Fil A and car washes and, and gas stations. Chick Fil A. Um, <laughs> I don't know, the Chick-fil-A we had, who puts a Chick-fil-A in a fucking mall? Oh, yeah, well, you guys, yeah, that, that who goes to a Chick-fil-A in a mall? When who puts two Chick-fil-A's Chick-fil-A. a mile apart from each other, too? Joplin, Missouri. Joplin, Missouri, that's right. Yep. I got lost <laughs> yeah, in that town looking for Chick-fil-A. It's, it's a hell of a town, man. It's, uh, if anyone has never been to Joplin, Missouri, I encourage you to come down and, and spend, a, spend a weekend at a, at a day's end. It's great. So when you're hunting yeah. in Kansas, you said you hunt along the Neosho. When you're hunting in Oklahoma, are you just hunting just hunting in the north northwest corner? Yeah, so so we usually and so Kansas is a bunch of wetlands. So there's a lot of, you know, marshes of duckweed, smartweed, millet, uh, some flooded corn. Uh, but majority of what I really enjoyed hunting in Kansas, uh, my stepdad's family owned a bunch of pecan farms, um, or say pecan farms. Pecan. Uh, they were in a bunch of lowland spots and would collect water. So it'd be like the closest thing. It's like the generic brand of timber hunting and pecan fields. Uh, that's what I loved hunting in kansas i mean little tiny potholes and you know you'd set out five decoys and you'd pull down a group of 20 and 50 mallards in the trees and that was what my brother and i did the most um but yeah oklahoma is just kind of potholes we'd go hunt um grand lake we'd hunt some lakes around there but again kansas i mean there's neosha river it's a very popular spot to hunt uh ducks when everything freezes around so it's a very diverse area to hunt um in oklahoma and kansas yeah for sure yeah the only thing i really remember about the neo show is uh 
we were, me and Grant were listening to some podcast. I don't know who the fuck the podcast was about, but it was some podcast. And some guy who hunted on the Neo show was talking about how he went to the Platte on, in western Nebraska. And um, what he say? What he say? He was like... Something about how... He's like, they, this river ain't shit. I could piss across it. It ain't, it ain't a very big river at all. And it was like, dude... Clearly, you are in the wrong part of Nebraska if you think the Platte River is tiny. And then he was like, the Neosho's big, mighty river, so on and so forth. And, uh, yeah, that's the only only thing I know about the Neosho is the grudge I hold against the guy who says the Platte is tiny and he could piss across it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah. Uh, Neosho is literally just like, if, if there is a, like, so it's just muddy. Mm-hmm. Silt bottom, sand bottom. Mm-hmm. I mean, it looks like the sewage river. I mean, it's just shit brown. Shit. Brown. Um, yeah, it's beautiful. <laughs> um, uh, there, there, there's some sandbars. I mean, it's pretty cool, man. I mean, the, there's really not much rivers to hunt around here, but the Neosho, maybe Spring River, mm-hmm. but Neosho is probably the largest one around me. But it, you know, I would. Looking at the Platte, looking at the Neosho, I mean, I would go hunt the Platte because it's a lot cooler. Uh, you're just literally sitting in the shit brown water. On the, the banks are literally 20 feet high on each side. So you're literally looking at shit brown the entire time you're hunting. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's a blast. Don't get me wrong. It's a blast on the Neosho to hunt. But the Platte's a little bit prettier to look at. Is the so. Neosho, like, deep? Like, you have to use a boat on it or... Uh, where we hunted, we hunted the riffles is what we call them. It's just some shallow, just faster running water. Um, there we never had to use a boat is about, you know, thigh deep there. But in some places it would get, I mean, eight to 15 foot, some of the, some of the parts of the river, but I never hunted there. I didn't really feel like messing with that, but, uh, we killed them just fine over the riffles. So, so. What what is it about the Neosho that attracts the mallards? Is it is it because there's a, abundant food sources with like like flooded areas off of it, like refugees and stuff like that? Or so I guess there is uh, there's a place called Saint Paul, Kansas. It's called uh, they, it's called Neosho Wildlife. It's a uh, it's just like you know a public marsh there, and the Neosho literally runs right next to it. Um, and they also have the refuge down there, um, which is, you know, there's flooded millet, corn, everything that the ducks would want. I honestly think they use the Neosho, um, as just, you know, a navigation system to, to go to that refuge or just to fly down a river. I feel like ducks do that so much just to, uh, you know, kind of navigate. They'll be close to water to rest. And there's usually, you know, ag around, uh, around the Neosho. Um, uh, but I think they just they, they just fly down that river to navigate to uh, to one of the major refuges uh, around us, which is in St. Paul, Kansas. So I think they just use it as a flight line and just follow the river all the way till they uh, hit the refuge. Does it get does it get like freeze cold down there? Like the reason the Platte is so good up here is because when it gets cold, all your small water freezes, and the Platte has right. warm water sloughs, drainages, drainage ditches, ponds, so on and so forth along it, along with the actual open water on the river itself that just that the ducks just flock to. Is that kind of like how yeah. it is down there? Is it just because of like you said, like that flyway uh, with the refuge system? Um, man. I, I only hunt the river when everything freezes um, because I, I, you know, I used to lease a bunch of stuff that, you know, if it's open, I'm going to go hunt it because, you know, I know birds use it every day. But um, I, we mainly hunt the river when everything freezes. Those riffles stay open. Um, and so, I mean, sometimes even the Neosho will freeze. It doesn't get that cold here. I'd say maybe a week out of the season, it would get like, 10 maybe to single digits maybe for like two or three days and i'll lock everything up um for maybe four or five days so i mean you really don't hunt the river around here a lot i mean when it's right everyone flocks and goes to the river um but uh it's not like uh the plat where you guys can can hunt it multiple times a year it's mainly uh a weekend or two if you're lucky depending on the winter I got you. So until then, it's like you said, those pecan farms and like farm ponds and marshes. Yeah. Yep. And yep. then, 
So, but you said there's a pretty big concentrations of ducks to the area on the marshes and the farm ponds. When do your ducks like really start to show up? Man, the last time I got to hunt at home was, uh, was about two years ago. Um, I would say, I mean, you can have an absolute ball with, with teal and gadwall early season. I would say the majority of our mallards show up. Um, now this is a normal winter. Um, I'd say December, I'd say right after Christmas is when the mallards really start to show up. Um, but, uh, so hell, like three years ago, we had a hundred thousand greenheads on the refuge in the second weekend of waterfowl season in November. So it was kind of strange, but you know, it, it goes year by year. So. Yeah, because us, it's it's diff. Like up here, obviously being way further north, that's going to play a big factor. But like it'd be about the third weekend, like that farm pond hunt you were seeing where we were smacking down on those mallards, that was the first week of November when that happened. Yeah, that's crazy. But like our actual peak mallard time is right around Thanksgiving, if not the week before Thanksgiving is when it all really turns on. And uh, we get our mallards in about then, and we never, we only grow. And the like this last year was the only time that we actually saw mallards leave because it got so cold that there was literally it got so cold the entire Platte River froze, which that's that, that doesn't happen that often, like very yeah, very seldomly. I mean, we got to hunt. Crazy. We got to hunt on some rivers north of us, literally on the ice, setting hard water spreads because geese were roosting on the ice. Yeah, we were we river. were I mean, killing honkers yeah, over a frozen river. That. Yeah, yeah it that's was, insane. It was a little sketch. Let me yeah, tell you. yeah, because you're walking <laughs> and you're like, it was negative 15 here a couple days ago, so this should be pretty solid. But there is moving water underneath, and we have no idea how deep it is. And so the clients, yeah, that's yeah. When you get the clients out there, it's like, all right, you guys, you guys just stay on the bank. Y'all stay there. Yeah. We'll go get the geese. And there was one time that I went out to get a goose, and the river did it. The ice shifted a little bit. It did crack and. The oh shit moment that I had going to get that goose on that ice was, I thought I was it. I thought it was me going that, under. That was easily the sketchiest hunt we've been on all year. But it was one of those like <laughs> I scouted it and yeah. I was like, we burned. Oh, them. we we got a hunt here. We burned them down. We got a hunt here. Bring a safety rope. Let's kill some geese. Yeah. <laughs> oh god, you, you know it's you know it's bad when you're tying a rope around your waist to go get a goose in the river. <laughs> yeah. Well, we weren't quite doing that. We were damn near there. Fortunately, enough, yeah. though, like other than that, I mean, our mallards never leave after after they get here. They're here, and like we have a lake south of us. That lake we hunted the snow geese off of. Um, that lake, uh, that lake will hold a decent amount of mallards. They, it, if you can hunt on the lake pub on the public land, which obviously we don't, but if you could, if you can find where they want to be, there can usually be some good hunting there as long as the lake is open, but. The tough part was getting them in the cornfields out there. You know, you see, like, down in Kansas, like, I know you see, talk, you work with Carter's Big Island. You know, being able to get those those ducks in the cornfield like that, I don't, you know, it's something different about Kansas and even, even some areas further south of us. We don't, our ducks don't feed when it's warm. And so, like, when you were telling us, you know, you guys have your moderately war- warm winters compared to us and you're they're still killing ducks really early in the day when it's warm out it was that mm-hmm. mind-boggling to us because like off our off our lake and on the plat and off of some lakes and rivers to the north of us the ducks don't go out until five minutes before shooting light if it's if it's above like 35 degrees and that's sunny crazy. it's insane isn't it yeah you pretty much yeah, need that's... you need like some precipitation it needs to be cloudy like cold you cold you need the right conditions to do it but when in when those conditions line up you'll you'll yeah, find you us in a field in corn. but yeah that's why it was crazy to see you know like when you some of your videos and hear about some of the stuff down there about killing them when it's that warm out it's like oh yeah it's insane yeah, i mean i've shot we shot green heads and and the corn and 42 degree temp before i mean just in literally the middle of the day it's the weirdest thing. The, the birds pattern here is so unorthodox. It's crazy. Um, it's just like, I, I mean, I would say average. The, the weather here is, you know, you get your lows in the 20s and your 
highs in the 30, 35, 40. Um, I would say that's the average. Um, but yeah, man, it's strange. They will just go dry seed just at the most random time. Um, but I mean, it makes, uh, I, I guess it kind of makes sense that if it's below 32, I mean, ducks need to feed, feed twice a day, but, uh, they oh. don't, they usually don't follow that rule here. They don't yeah, just no, go, no, no, they don't. Twice a day doesn't happen. They'll feed once a day. They only feed once yeah. a day. And it's if funny it's, too. If it's above geek... forty-two, it'll be before. It'll be five minutes or even <laughs> after shooting light. But if it's really right. cold, they'll come out like an hour before. That's it. There's you will never kill a duck in a cornfield in the morning in Nebraska, in, in at least in our area. And I, sh- I should take that back. You will never kill a large amount of ducks in the cornfield in the morning it's unless it's snowing and colder than Almighty fuck. Right. And it's funny too because the geese, the geese are a lot different. Like, oh yeah. Like, there's times where if the weather kind of lines up, they'll they'll feed, you know, once in the morning, once in the afternoon. But like, ducks, man, they just it's once, one and done here. Sixty degrees. Don't even pull your goose decoys out. Go home. Yeah. Literally. Like if it's if it, I mean even fifty degrees, fifty degrees and sunny. We've even seen forty degrees and sunny. Your geese are gonna come ten minutes before shooting light. That's it. Good luck. Right. I mean, it's, yeah, we've had some, it's been, that's why I think it's so weird hearing about, you know, places like where you've been, where they move so much differently. It, it makes you really wonder, like, the actual research behind the patterns, like, why they act the way they do. Because I have to think that the pressure down by you guys versus the pressure up by us is roughly similar. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 100%. And yeah, so especially it's like, nowadays, man, every everyone wants to be cool in duck hunt. Yeah. So there's just, uh, I mean, it's great, but, like, sometimes it's like, damn, dude, the pressure. I mean, uh, everything I really, I mean, bass fishing, too, is the same way right down here. I mean, it's, it's the pressure. I mean, everything affects these, you know, animals and, and stuff that we hunt and, and uh, you know, and are crazy about i mean pressure affects everything so it just makes it harder for us but you know that's why we like doing it it's for the challenge so do you guys have a lot of people who run permanent spreads on like farm ponds and in like pits and cornfields and stuff down by you uh mm, i mean see or cars big island they run one permanent spread but it's just because it's like right next to the refuge over there but other than that i really can't name a bunch of people except permanent goose spreads or anything like that um the permission down here is so far and or few and far between that um i mean it's it's ridiculously hard to get permission to hunt anywhere around here so is everything um, pay to play oh yeah yeah everything's pay to play yeah, yeah. i got you see up here up here People on the Platte, every 500 yards on the Platte River, you're going to find a blind. It might not be a permanent spread, but you're going to find a blind. Every single person's property on the Platte River that is owned has a duck blind on it. Whether they hunt it all the time or they hunt it twice a year, once a year, it it all varies. But every single piece of property has a duck blind on the Platte River. And that's why our property is so special because we have that seven miles of refuge each well we have the three to three three one way four the other way of where there's no blinds and so giving those birds that kind of refuge and then having us right in the middle that gives us our you know that gives us our standout reason honestly oh the, yeah the honest truth is if you're just on a normal blind on the Platte river where you have people that close to you the hunting's good but it's not fantastic I mean, it's not it's not world class no it doesn't it's good yeah, but you it's have to have class. you have to have that refuge there and we found right. like we have a lot of people who will run a farm pond or a cornfield or a you know like a sand pit style pond right next to the river or a slough and they'll put out their 250 bigfoots and that'll be their spread for the entire season You'll see that. I mean, you don't. If you drive the cornfield scouting for geese in Nebraska, you'll very seldomly see someone else hunting the cornfield. You'll maybe see one spreader, one or two people hunting a day if you scout 50 cornfields. There's not right. that much pressure. It's spread out very well because there's so many cornfields. But during that same trip, you'll be able to spot 10 or 15 permanent spreads on ponds or cornfields or, you know, sloughs or sand pits. And that. I think does play into the pressure a little bit, having that much permanent spreads being around us. Right. 
Right. And those birds know. I mean, they do. I mean, they do. There's no way they don't know. I mean, it's just uh, it's the way she goes sometimes. Mm-hmm. So, but how? So you know, jumping a little bit over here, you talked a little bit about fishing. You're a big bass uh-huh. guy. Huge. Huge bass Biggest. guy. My type of guy. So, I'm gonna guess you got it pretty good down there for fishing, though, right? Oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, as soon as duck season's over, I I am full. I am bad on bass. What kind of Some boat you fish say. out of? I don't have a boat. I'm poor. Uh, but all my uh, Rick's buddies have boats, so I just uh, go on their boats. Use their boats. That's yeah, the right yeah, idea. You know, don't don't buy you one yourself. Them. I'll pay for some yeah. gas. Yeah, pay pay yeah. for some gas. So you'll save a lot of money sit doing that. You know, funny thing is, I sold my bass boat to buy camera gear. Hmm. That is funny. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yes, yeah, I, I used to have a uh, a bass boat, a nitro, and I sold it to buy uh, camera gear. So. Uh, I used to have a bass boat, but uh, now I just I just uh, tournament fish with my buddies. I have a multitude of really good friends that we all go tournament fish and just go fun fish. I mean, there's pretty much everything around here: small mouth, large mouth, spotted bass. So it's a uh, it's a good old time. What's your favorite way to fish them? I love throwing a, a big bait, an eight inch, ten inch glide bait for them. That's my that's my Glide favorite thing to do. That's different. He, he goes for the big ones. Yeah, you go for the mondos. You're not out there to catch quantity. You're Grant, out there Grant to throws a wacky quantity. rig for the five inchers. Damn right. Heck yeah, dude. What? So what's hey. your what's your PB? My PB, uh, man, the scale I weighed it on was absolutely ass. It said ten oh one, but uh, probably, I'm say probably was, a bunch of lead I'm weights a, in that one. Yeah. I, Stuffed it full of lead weights before uh, lead weights before I weighed it, but uh, I would say I mean it was anywhere between nine and a quarter to nine and a half. That scale weighed pretty heavy, so I'd say mid nine, high nine. So, for perspective, mine in Nebraska is five pounds, twenty one and a half. Yeah, mine is six and a half, and it was twenty two and a quarter. Yeah. Hell yeah. No, oh, no, no, not no, no, hell no. yeah. In, Whoa, in Nebraska, that fucking sucks. <laughs> in Nebraska, I have to watch people like you catching 10, 12 pounders. If someone caught a 10, 12 pounder up here in Nebraska, it would literally be a state record. Dude, that's just the thing with Nebraska. We ain't got them them southern strain bass. So no, they don't, they don't get. Dude, real actually, big. we the bass we have here are northern. They're northern strain. Really? Oh, well, they're still bigger than yeah. ours. <laughs> yeah, I I just think I think it all comes down to. Uh, what they have to forage on, what they have to eat. I mean, we have a ton of big gizzard shad and a ton of thread pens here. So I think it also um, comes that like the the, the weather too. The weather down there just the colder oh, yeah. weather, the the longevity and colder weather definitely plays it. Although huge I have impact. seen some people up in fucking Minnesota catching tens. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, it might be, it might just be a skill issue. So I, I don't know. No, it's definitely a skill <laughs> issue. We're duck hunters. We are not bass fishermen. Do you guys, do you have any? I can, I consider myself a fisherman more than a duck hunter. Really? That's yeah. Damn, where am I gonna get down there? Yeah, we gotta go fishing now. Come on, come on down, man. You can, you can go to Table Rock Lake and catch a hundred fish. Dude, I've been to Table Rock. I love, love, love that lake. Yeah, that's uh, that's a good, good time to go throw big baits there. Y'all got any walleye down there? Uh, not, not much. I mean, uh, Tabor Rock has some walleye, um, but I mean, really Tabor Rock and like Stockton, another small lake, um, oh, not Tabor Rock's not a small lake, but Stockton has some walleye, but they don't really toot my horn like, uh, like a bass does. Yeah, Table but. Rock, you can catch it all. Spotted bass, smallmouth, largemouth, everything. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Hey, Brock's an awesome lake. I love walleye fishing. That is the one northern thing we have up here that's somewhat northern. I mean, we don't have that natural walleye, but we have walleye fishing. And walleye is good eating. That and crappie, although the crappie fishing down yeah. there probably blows us out of the water. Yeah, yeah we got we got some pretty good crappie over here. Yep. But I, I, I do go to Canada for 10 days, mainly, mostly every year, to go musky fish for, oh, uh, for 10 days. Oh, that's son fun. of a bitch. That's fun. <laughs> The fish yeah. in a thousand casts is I've caught Dude, one in I, my entire life. I would sell 
all my bass gear, all my duck hunting gear, all my camera gear to go chase those things year round. They are the most badass freshwater fish I've ever caught. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Have you They're ever caught sick. one? Yeah. Yeah. I, I got to do uh, research in South Dakota on muskies. I don't know if I told you about that. Oh, that's sick. I don't want to get, in, get into the specifics since we're running pretty far on time, but, yeah, we got to put pit tags in them and then basically track their movements throughout the summer because no one really knows what muskies oh, do because they're the apex dude. predator but yeah man i love muskies you you you, you kind of turned on a trigger for me when you said that we ought to yeah we ought to do some fishing Rankin, were you there when we talked about going to, to to fish muskie when we were in canada like before season started when we all showed up like i guess you never mind you probably weren't but bradley was like no. dead set on wanting to go muskie fishing when we showed up like a week oh, early and it was dude. like 95 degrees every day He's like, let's yeah. go musky fishing. It's only like a four-hour drive to this big lake. <laughs> yeah, dude. Now I, I go to uh, I go to Lake of the Woods in Ontario. That's where I go to musky fish uh, every year. Man, that but, makes uh, me so fun. jealous. Uh, I want to catch a double nickel. That's my goal. I caught a forty-six last year or two years ago. I think it's go last year, but I caught a forty-six and three quarters, so almost a four-footer. What the hell's a double um, nickel? Fifty. Uh, 55 inch. That's like the that it's like the equivalent of a 10 pound bass in musky fishing world. Mm-hmm. So, damn. damn. Well, that's yeah. That's somewhere we got to do. We'll we'll be there. We'll get there. We'll get there. Heck somewhere. yeah, dude. I hope at least. I don't know. But anyways, I think we I think we're going ahead and call it there. I ran pretty good. 52 minutes. That ain't bad. So, yeah. not but, too shabby. Alrighty. Well. Thank you guys for coming on to the podcast. Uh, thanks for listening. If you guys want to check us out on Instagram, Facebook, it's at Whiskey Slews. If you guys want to check out Grant Rankin on Instagram, it's just Grant Rankin. Um, you betcha. You want to call Grant, talk about a hunt, 308-830-3817? Our Grant. Yeah. Our Grant. Yeah, you, no, you call yeah. Grant Rankin. Yeah. Tell you call, him. You call Grant He'll Rankin do your job too. for yeah. you. But, yeah, no, thanks for stopping by, y'all.